You're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and in recognition of the fact that May 9th was recognized by state lawmakers as Minority and Women-Owned Business Enterprise Advocacy Day, we wanted to turn our attention to efforts at the Capitol to create more opportunities for MWBEs in government contracting. And to do that, we're joined by Assemblymember Amanda Septimo, a Bronx Democrat. Welcome to the Capitol Press Room, Assemblymember. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. So for starters, before we get into how the state might expand opportunities, can you talk about why it's important for the state to prioritize minority and women-owned businesses when it comes to government contracting opportunities? We talk about New York as this place that is progressive, whatever that means nowadays, but committed to progressive values, at least, that really treasure diversity that are committed to opening paths of economic prosperity, are sort of thinking about how to move our vulnerable communities forward. By definition, MWBEs are some of our most underrepresented groups when you're talking about the share in this economic activity that New York as a state and as a city generates. And so the commitment itself is important because it feeds those values, but I think it also, in practice, you see that MWBEs are the companies that end up hiring people from communities of color. Women-owned companies end up hiring more women, et cetera. And so, again, when you're thinking about growing an economy in New York that really serves everyone and provides opportunity to everyone, the path through MWBEs is really kind of a straight line. And when you think about the efforts to promote opportunities for MWBEs. Are you agnostic about whether it's leading to more opportunities for minorities, whether it's leading to more opportunities for women, or would you like to see really in that sweet spot of minority women? Yeah, I would love to see that sweet spot, but I do think that every part of the program is important. We want to see women-owned businesses doing well and thriving, but we also want to make sure that minority-owned businesses are doing well and thriving and that sweet spot as well, because ultimately, what good is a program if it's not really doing what it's designed to do? And I think our MWBE goals and programs are meant to make sure that each of these groups are, are doing well. And so when we're seeing that we're falling off, which we do see, we do see disparities within the disparity, we want to make sure that we're sort of addressing that. And that's something that I know Mayor Adams is really committed to on the city level as well. And so I'm excited to kind of dig into those efforts on the state level. Well, you were part of the May 9th campaign, this advocacy day about making a case for expanding and extending the state's MWBE programs. Let's start with the first E there, expanding. What sort of expansion of the program do you think would make sense? Without getting too technical, there are some ways in which we sort of preclude MWBEs from fully participating in that. One example, there's a sort of a personal wealth limit. And so if the ownership team of a company have a personal wealth valued at X amount, then they're not able to participate in the program in the same way in terms of prioritization. That's an unnecessary barrier to entry. And again, when you're looking to get your numbers up, we should be making sure that every technical space is opening the door to more businesses participating instead of shutting it. So that's one example in terms of how do you expand the program and remove limitations as they exist right now. Do you find that some sort of means testing of eligibility is a detriment right now, that there are women or minority-owned businesses that are precluded as a result of that? Definitely, yes. Um, And that's more than anecdotal. We had an advocacy day. We had hundreds of people here, hundreds of business owners from across the state. Uh, and that was one of the things that came up frequently, actually. And what about the state's uh, utilization goal of 30% contracts uh, going to MWBEs? Do we need to either expand that 
number? Do we need to expand the type of contracting opportunities that are subject to that? How do you think about those goals? We just need to get serious about meeting them, to be frank. I think before we start thinking about getting higher in them, we need to think about why we're not meeting them as it stands. I think those goals are really noble and wonderful, but I think there are lots of barriers that exist. So beyond, you know, the one that I just talked to you about, about personal wealth and precluding folks that way, there are many, many folks who will tell you that they got their certification, but haven't been able to land a contract for years. There's actually a really interesting bill that's been introduced that I'm excited to support that would make it so that agencies would have to communicate to applicants who are bidding for a contract as to why they weren't selected so that we can sort of get into the concept of transparency and get into understanding, okay, what's the missing link where we have MWBEs jumping up and putting up their hand to say, I want to participate and agencies not able to connect the dots. Hopefully these are sort of technical fixes that we'll be able to jump in and fix. But I also think it'll be a really important opportunity for folks who are making decisions to sort of have an opportunity to check in uh, with any perhaps internal biases that might be working and say, why can't I consider this company more seriously? What is keeping me? And hopefully there's no answer and we'll see those numbers go up. Well, coming back to that 30% goal, though, I feel like I remember Governor Hochul shortly after taking office announcing that we had hit like 30 or 30.5% or something. So I I guess we're at the 30% threshold. So do we need to aspire higher than that? Or is 30% a good number to retain? When you look at the disparities within the disparity, that's what really becomes important. One of the things that you will hear often from companies that are from MWBEs themselves is that when you look at those numbers, um, we're not nearly as far along as we need to be on the M part of MWBEs. So again, we're seeing women-owned companies thrive. Um, Often those companies are owned by white women. And so when you think of the, the goal of diversity and the goal of making sure that all communities can participate in the economic generation that happens in New York, you're missing the mark in a really staggering way. So in previous conversations about the MWE program that we've had on this show, one of the barriers to entry that's been identified is access to capital. So what, if anything, can the state do on that front to assure that these businesses have the financing that might be required to participate in some major contracts? Yeah, that's a really important question. You know, one of the things that gets talked about often is how do you create access to low interest capital for these firms to be able to participate. That's an idea that gets tossed around a lot. And I think that is something that's being thought of more seriously now. The great thing I think about the MWBE program in New York State and New York City is that you have some really sophisticated actors in the space. Michael Garner at the MTA really now, who's now at the leading at the city level, but really able to do some incredible things at the MTA, really leads in the space, familiar with the government space and how it all works and the intricacies of it all. And so now we're into, we've sort of graduated to addressing some of these more complicated issues. And I'm excited to see where we go. But I I do think that there's a world where we end up creating a system where these organizations have access to low interest capital funding so that they can compete meaningfully. And what about the certification process Mm -hmm. for businesses? One of the things that I think comes out like clockwork from business outlets is the routine denial of MWBE certification requests Mm -hmm. where the state regulators say, oh, we think the husband uh, or the male partner is actually the one running this. Are state regulators being too uh, aggressive with their efforts to police this or do you think they are just 
doing their job in terms of trying to weed out fraud in, in this program. I definitely think that they have an important job and they're doing it. The onus is really on the state uh, and the agencies to make sure that we're simplifying the process mm-hmm. as much as possible. To that end, we are working on a bill now that would make it so that there's recognized reciprocity between the city and the state, MWBE, okay. so that instead of having to get certified by both, if you're recognized by one, you're recognized by the other. Uh, and that's where we plan to start, but that's an effort that we hope to see grow to include all of the other agencies. I think there's it's some staggering number, like... 18 different types of certifications you have to get to do work with SUNY, to do work with CUNY, to do work with DASNY. There's all these different certifications, which is, it really becomes redundant at some point. Sure, these agencies might need different information, different specifics, but we can find a way to flatten that process and make it a little bit easier for folks. Um, so that's legislation we're pursuing now, and, I, and I'm really excited about, actually. You want to take away everyone's little fiefdoms? <laughs> wow, that they get to be so much power. You have to right. exercise so much right. power over everyone's lives. Simplifying New York government. Who would have thought, right? <laughs> okay. So if I remember correctly, this is a program that gets reauthorized on a recurring basis. Are we at one of those? junctions Mm -hmm. right now where the MWB program is poised for some sort of reauthorization? And if so, do you think there is the appetite for a comprehensive examination or will any changes likely be around the margins? Yes, we are nearing a juncture for having to reauthorize. I don't think that we will see wholesale sort of reevaluation at this point, Mm -hmm. but I know that there is an effort to make it so that instead of having to always recertify, approve the disparity, et cetera, there are folks who want to sort of flip that process on its head and say, okay, this is going, this should be a permanent program until you can prove that there are no more disparities. I think that gets a little trickier from just a legal perspective, but I do think that it's a really important point to say we know that communities of color are disadvantaged in so many ways. We know that women are disadvantaged in so many ways, and we know that those distinctions show themselves in business and they show themselves in in contracting and how it happens on the city and state level. And so to have to go through this exercise of sort of remaking that case every few years feels counterproductive. And frankly, it's pretty insulting to the notion of the idea that like, you know, we all live in this utopian society where we're all equal. I think it's insulting to the folks who have to live through the disadvantages every day. And so I don't think that we're at the place of having that wholesale sort of reevaluation. But I do think that there is a growing understanding of just how ludicrous it is to have to come back every few years and say, oh, are we still unequal? All right, I guess we should recertify. Well, what do you think that landscape would look like where we don't need an MWBE prioritization program anymore? If this is a program that's built in recognition of the fact that there has been for decades, if not hundreds of years, systemic inequalities, is there ever a point where we can say, okay, the job numbers are the same or business ownership numbers are the same, so we can do away with this? Or is it more complicated than just looking at raw data like that? Uh, I definitely think it's more complicated, but I also think, to borrow from the Supreme Court, I think it's one of those things, like, you'll know it when you see it. Like pornography. Exactly. (laughs) I wasn't going to say it, but you did. (laughs) Um, uh, And so right now, we're just not even close, right? We're still having conversations about equal pay Mm -hmm. every day, right? Like, we're, we're still having conversations about disparities in education and everything that you can name. I know that we're not close yet. 
and we're all working really hard to get there and, and make that a reality, but we're just not there. Well, do we need to be more aggressive than just setting government contracting goals? Do we need to break out the R word of reparations? Do we need to have something else in terms of the business community when it comes to minority-owned businesses specifically? Yes, all of government works in concert. I think reparations is a really important concept that we're also looking at sort of separately from this. Um, But I think that as it relates to MWBEs specifically, I think that the most helpful thing is probably to simply take a step back and say, okay, how do we manage the bigger picture? How do we make sure that we're centering the true goals of this program? Because one of the issues that you'll see also is that the same sort of companies land contracts, and that's not really getting to the heart of the issue either, right? Um, and so it's it's stopping the concentration of economic development in one community, but that doesn't just mean transferring it to another. That, that means how do we really expand this so that more people can participate and thereby more communities can benefit and companies as well. Yes, we need to be thinking about reparations in a separate space, but I think in the business community, it's what are the ins and outs um, that make it so that businesses have a competitive edge that will counter all of the disadvantages that, that sort of make it more difficult for them to function on a daily. Well, we've been speaking with Assemblymember Amanda Septimo. She's a Bronx Democrat. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you. Support for the Capitol Press Room is provided by the Boom Moose Club in Albany, a co-working space for people with business at the Capitol or those just needing a home base for the day. More information on facilities and other services available at bullmooseclub.com.